Founders face mentors and masters. I'm Captain Hoff, CEO of Founderspace, the leading global startup accelerator. I'm also author of the award-winning books, Make Elephants Fly, Surviving a Startup, and The Five Forces. I'm here today with Josh Tapp. He is the host of the Top 50 Marketing Podcast, The Lucky Titans. And Josh is a marketing master. Trust me when I say this, he's done it all. Josh, welcome to the show and tell the audience a little about yourself. Hey, thanks so much, man. I, I appreciate that, Steve. It's exciting to be here. This is going to be a really fun podcast because I feel like it's different. Um, about me, I am like the number one Marvel nerd out there. So if you want to nerd out over Marvel stuff, send me Marvel stuff. I will always appreciate it. We get clients all the time sending me Marvel stuff. It's it's a great way to kiss up to me. <laughs> yeah, I got to get my comic book collection out there. <laughs> hey, you have any good ones? I was talking to a guy just the other day. On his wall, he has the first print of the first Black Panther uh, comic ever written. And it's like the wow. actual drawings from the artists. And wow. I was like, how much would you, how much does it take for me to get that from you? He's like, I'll give it to you. Like, no. Nah. Yeah, no. He'll give he it was, to you? He was willing to he was willing to, I never followed up on it because I felt bad. I'm like, yeah, anyway, it's part yeah, of his heritage. That, and that's worth a like, lot. I don't want to dive into, but it was, it was one of those things that I was like, man, we built a good relationship. <laughs> you did. So can you tell the, you know, you do marketing all the time for entrepreneurs. Can you tell the entrepreneurs some of the things you recommend they do when they're going into their product launch? Ooh, and product launch is actually a unique way to put that, Steve, because there's a lot of different stages where marketing comes into play. And you know, it's always, it's an ever-present thing that we all know we need. We know we have to be doing, but the launch is probably one of the most important times to be leveraging marketing. And, and I'm going to come at this at a, from a little bit of a different angle is, is if you want to market a launch, don't start the day before the launch or the month before the launch. The marketing you should be doing pre-launch should be, you should be doing for six months, a year, 10 years before you even do the launch. 10 years. Most Ten startups years. don't have 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But, but this is the thing, right? Is marketing should be something that's part of your everyday. And what people don't realize is that you have been marketing your business for years by building those relationships. And if you look at marketing as leveraging relationships and building true, strong, valuable relationships, everything else comes, everything else comes to fruition. Because when you go to launch a product, and you say, okay, should I be running Facebook ads? Should I be doing YouTube ads? Should I use LinkedIn direct outreach? You know, there's all these different ways to do marketing, which all of them work, but they're not something you can just turn on and expect to put $2 in and get $5 out. That's just not how it works. But a relationship, if you can bring a true relationship that you've grown over the years, maybe you've had them on your podcast. If you're like Steve, or maybe you've, you met them at a networking event one time, you just kind of clicked, you had coffee one time, that sort of relationship is some, somebody that you can tap into to say, hey, I'm launching this new product or service. Would you even just give me a shout out? Tell somebody you know about the product. That's how launches thrive. That makes a lot of sense. So you're, you're always building these relationships. You can leverage them. Strategic partnerships where you cross promote is a great way to do it. Now, tell us some of the keys to building relationships that produce yeah. great results. You know, and I would actually reference a book. I love this book. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of Dana Derrick. Steve, have you heard of him before? No, I have not. The resident goat farmer is what he says. 
So th this guy, he wrote a book around um, Dan Kennedy's principle of the Dream 100. So the book is called The Dream 100. And the concept is, how do you develop those relationships, right? It's not something new. And people think that they have to have like some crazy strategic way. We all know that like, quote unquote, really great networker who is, you know, constantly going to networking events and doing these things. And they're a great person. But if you look at them, a lot of their, their networking never really yields a lot of huge fruit, right? They're, they're like, yeah, I have, I, I keep my sales in the door by just having referrals and I make a hundred thousand a year. But if you're wanting to create, you know, a tech company in particular, that's going to be scalable and growing, you want to be networking with people like, let's say you're building a social media platform. You want to be networking with Mark Zuckerberg and some of the people who started Reddit or, you know, all these big social platforms. Those are the people you need to be networking with. Yeah. But how do you get in the door with that? How do you get in the door? Right. That's the number one question. <laughs> and that's the one, whenever I bring this, this up to people, they sit here going, okay, yes, but how do you do that? And, and the reason I referenced that book, the dream 100 is because it is, it, it explains how to get in the door with these people, but we found a way to actually even fast track that with our own business, which was build a platform, create some sort of platform that these fancy, wealthy people can come on and brag about themselves. Believe it or not, you can get in the door. You can get in the door with these people who you would never be able to get in the door with, you know, these billionaires of these massive companies. If you just have a platform, they can come on. And, and I want to illustrate this with my own story. I mean, for me, when I first started um, this business podcast multipliers, I knew I needed to kind of get in the door with more of these people in the marketing, um, in the marketing world who had huge lists of marketers. One of the big guys that has been on my list for years, his name is Steve Sims. So I started this podcast um, and I'm like, I'm just going to shoot for the stars. So I sent him a LinkedIn message just saying, Hey, I have been following you for years. My audience would love to hear from you on this podcast. I just started. Would you be willing to come on? I kid you not within five minutes, he had responded and we had booked a time. Hands down. Isn't that crazy? It's and, crazy. And it's so for those of who, who don't know who Steve Sims is, fill us in. Yeah. So Steve Sims, right? This guy is a very high level marketer. He actually created Bluefish, which is a company that curates to some of the most wealthy people in the world. This guy's, I believe in the billions, multiple billions, um, very, very successful guy, but he knows everyone. Like if you want to get in the door with, with Tony Robbins or Grant Cardone or some of these big names, you know, Steve, uh, Richard Branson, right. Getting in the door with these sort of guys, it's, it's finding someone like Steve Sims who can get you in the door. And for us having Steve on our show, he came in, it was a great interview, but we ended up partnering with him. He's helped promote us. I've promoted him and it's allowed us to really grow our network. And for me, all I said to Steve was, Hey, do you know anybody else who should be coming on my show? And through him, we got, I want to say 30 or 40 people making well over a hundred million dollars, all our ideal customers coming onto our show. And it, that's really where we grew. And everybody thinks that you can't reach these people, but there, there are people like Steve out there that they're still on their own LinkedIn. That's the platform that they hang out on. If you email them or spam text them or try to automate this process, it's impossible. It's a relationship building process. That's great. Now you talked about how to really build, like you, you help podcasters uh, make their shows hits. And you talked about how to get 10,000 to 50,000 more eyeballs on your show in a very short amount of time. Can you walk us through that? Yeah. And, and, you know, this, this is actually, again, going back to my story, when we started this show, it was merely, just, it was just a networking tool. That's really what it was, but we had a great team in house of marketers who were doing content and 
we realized we were getting anywhere from 10 to 50,000 people seeing our show right off the bat. And I thought, oh, that's all right. That's a pretty decent number. But then people were coming to me saying, I've never gotten more than five downloads on my podcast and I've got 200 episodes, you know? And I remember looking at that and going, oh, we've, we've figured something out, unintentionally figured this out. And here's the methodology. I'm not going to use this as like a pitch for my company, right? This is something that any of you can do. If you want to quote unquote game the system or actually play the algorithms correctly, not cheating or trying to find some weird black hat tactic, it's about quantity of content. So what we look at is we say, okay, you know what? Anytime I make a post on LinkedIn, I get 200 people seeing it. So whether they click or, or take any sort of action there is inconsequential. I'm like, if, they, if there's 200 people seeing it, that's 200 people have seen my brand. So for us, what we do is say, well, how many posts would it take to get to 10,000 or 50,000 people seeing it? So what we do is, is we take that single podcast episode and we chop it up into about 30 pieces of content that get posted on two social media platforms. And between those and posting your podcast and all of the podcasting platforms, getting on YouTube, all of these are conglomerating little, little bits of listens, right? But you're adding together 30 pieces of content that are being resurfaced all the time and all these different things. That strategy will allow you to get in front of tons of people, even if you're a nobody. But I'm going to caveat this and say, there's no way you can do this with just one person by yourself. So please do not step out and try to do this by yourself. It's way too difficult. If you have an in-house team, use that team. Just task them and say, can we take this? Because you're, you're a tech founder. You're extremely busy. I get it. I, I've founded multiple companies. I understand. But you do have an hour a week. And that hour a week, if you'll just sit down in front of your phone and record a piece of content or interview somebody who might be a top dog in your industry, hand it to your team and say, I want this chopped up and I want this put on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. And I need five posts. You know, these can be videos, these can be quote cards, these can be audiograms, whatever you want to do, just post them everywhere. Doing that allows you to get that almost immediate exposure. It's a pretty, pretty simple process, honestly. <laughs> which, which posts convert the best? Which social media platform works? Is it Instagram? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Facebook, Twitter? See, this is a fun question for me, Steve, because we kind of live in this world. We don't, we're not really a social media agency, to be honest with you, but it's been interesting to watch what happens when you learn how to use the algorithms to your benefit for each of the platforms, because each platform is different. So on Instagram, if you want to grow a following, Instagram is actually the number one place to do it. Yes, there's TikTok. Yes, there's all these other ones that are going to come and go, right? It, it's just Instagram is the one that has stood the test of time and has tons of users. But what's interesting with Instagram is it's the one platform that you will get a ridiculous amount of engagement. People just like to like your stuff and comment on your stuff where LinkedIn, people don't like and comment on your posts. It's just not the kosher thing to do there. People go to LinkedIn to be educated. So for us, what we do is we post the long form pieces of content. So let's say an article on LinkedIn, right? It's a written piece of content and LinkedIn is, is the place where, and this is going to sound a little crass, but the place, the only places people consume LinkedIn is when they're on the toilet or they're at the office, right? Neither of those places you want your audio to be on, do you? Because <laughs> it's really uncomfortable when you're in a meeting and all of a sudden it's like, bah, and your, your audio plays, right? Or on the toilet, that's even more mortifying. So I like to think about it as saying that sort of platform is more about they're going to come and consume your content when they're actively seeking for something or they're, they're researching you. That's where the long form content goes. Instagram is more of, hey, let's grow a following. Facebook is kind of that same way. Facebook is saying, how do you grow a group of people who are excited about one thing 
and give them that content because they will engage at a much higher rate. Yeah. So we found that our Facebook group is really doing well. You know, we right. have a founder space group. It's growing really fast. We're at 21,000 users now uh, right, who are engaged. Amazing. And, uh, so I think Facebook groups are great. You know, your Facebook personal account, you, you can only uh, send so many things, uh, right. especially about your business to all your friends. It doesn't really work. Right. So, and I, what I found also is Instagram is fantastic. Like you, because the algorithm is always exposing you to new people because they're very receptive, especially to media content. You're absolutely right. Instagram is a place to go for media content. Now you, you kind of, said TikTok is a fad. So you don't think TikTok's here to stay? Well, and, and I, so I'll give my opinion on this. I don't think TikTok's a fad. I think it's a shiny object. I, I think what happens for people is they, they sit here going, so Clubhouse is a great example of this, right? They're the bottle rocket social media platforms. They, they take off and they're huge. They get really high. They get you know hundreds of millions of users and then they just disappear. I can't even tell you the last time I was on, on Clubhouse. And there's some people who are still trying to game the platform. It has its small user base and it may grow. I'm not saying it's not going to exist, but why would you sit here trying to dabble with a platform that may not continue when you know that Instagram will be there pretty much forever? You know that LinkedIn has set its roots. It's there, it's growing. And they have a consistent growth trend instead of these, these skyrocket growth trends. It's the same thing with your companies, right? With tech companies. There's a lot of tech companies that have huge initial success and they disappear and it's because of that, that early adoption rate, right? And then the stick rate is the thing that most of those social media platforms fail on. <laughs> what about Snap? Snap. That one is actually really interesting. I have very little opinion on that one because <laughs> we haven't used it a lot. But for a B, from a B2B perspective, which is where we sit, is typically with business to business, that platform is going to be hard to actually generate any sort of real result on. Yeah. It's mostly for young people, very young right. people, and yeah. they're not going to be your, uh, your demographic at all. Yeah. Um, so what I found is I honestly think TikTok has legs. You know, I've seen it in China. It's stuck around. It's grown. Um, I think it's a unique platform. I totally agree with you on Clubhouse. I went on there. I put actually a considerable amount of time into it when it first launched. And what I found is it's a time suck. Like the problem with Clubhouse is not Clubhouse per se, not audio per se, but the format they have, you have to stick around a long time and engage people. And the only people who have, have time to do that are people who really don't have a, a demanding job. And those right. aren't the people, you know, they're just hanging right. out and they don't mind spending, you know, 20 hours a week on it. I can't do that. Right. And so I think that's a reason a lot of people tried it and left. And, and I would even say the same thing with TikTok in this sense, right? Is that if you're going to choose a platform, because like TikTok, I, I have been seeing, I was completely wrong here. And I will admit that I was wrong here. I didn't think it would last more than six months because it's pretty, it's, it's literally just Vine if you ever used Vine a couple of years ago. Oh yeah. But what is so interesting about their platform is that people have been using it for B2B. But what's so interesting about that, that concept is that if you want to use that platform, you need to commit to that single platform, none others. It, what people need to realize is that it takes three to five people to actively grow any single platform consistently. So that could be one, you could hire one agency who specializes in Instagram, they'll grow it for you, but they have a team of five to 10 people working on your account at any time. And, and for me, when I look at social media, it's like, wh what battle do you want to fight? You know, where does the actual revenue come in? And for us, 
honestly, I do have a following on Instagram, these things, people trade us services all the time, but I don't ever really care to even go look at it because it doesn't produce us business. LinkedIn, on the other hand, if I produce an article and you know, we're already doing all of our marketing that we do, everybody who comes into my world ends up eventually going to my LinkedIn page and looking at it, diving deeper into my content, and they end up converting into sales typically. And so that has a cash value to me where my likes on Instagram, I, I could literally post on Instagram and probably get two, 3000 likes on it. It's not going to do me any good. <laughs> exactly. You know, so most of the people I talk to who are entrepreneurs, who are business people really focused on growing their business, LinkedIn is a platform. That's where they are connecting with people, making real relationships and growing it. You know, Facebook's good for kind of the friends you have and some random people that you connected with. Right. Uh, Twitter is, you sort of put it out there, but unless you're a, a celebrity, I think Twitter is hard to monetize. Twitter's more of a, a news source and a political tool, in my opinion. Um, it, you can definitely use it, but again, this is why for us, like with our methodology of, of multi-purposing and putting it everywhere, it's we're not even trying to gamify or, or leverage any single platform. It's just getting exposure, right? It's big brand exposure through quantity. But if you're like, hey, I, I really like this platform. I can see how I could directly monetize it and go for it. I mean, Steve, your method with the Facebook group, it's killer. People are making millions of dollars every year by building Facebook groups, which is crazy to me. It's like totally out of my understanding how that even works. But it's yeah, so, so cool Facebook has a good algorithm for getting people, you know, matching people with groups. And right. so we get a lot of engagement from entrepreneurs on Facebook. You know, doing a podcast is tough, right? It requires a lot of time and dedication, you know, to right. line up the interviews, to do them, you know, to edit them, put them out there. What do you recommend? Is it worth it for an entrepreneur who's extremely busy and how would they manage it? Yeah. And that, that, um, this is what is annoying about the marketing space. It's always like, well, it depends, right? It depends. And I hate hearing that when people say that too, but when it comes to growing a podcast and, and building a podcast is again, it has to have some sort of rhyme or reason. And I'm going to tell you right now, don't start one unless you love listening to podcasts and you love talking <laughs> because you can produce a lot of really amazing content through podcasting. But if it's, if you have to sit there and repeat yourself five times and re-record five times, it's going to become a huge time suck. It's going to depress the living daylights out of you. Don't, don't go that route. I, I like to look at it this way, right? Every company needs some form of long form content produced by a face. You know, once, once you're, um, you know, you've, you're past that seed round stage and you've gotten to where you're looking at maybe potentially going public, you don't really need a face anymore, but getting to that first hundred million, in my opinion, requires some face, that friendly person to be bringing people into your world. And that person needs to be producing a long form piece of content. And there's really only three things you can do. You can do written word, you can do audio, or you can do video. Or if you do video, you can pretty much do all three of them if you have a good team, but but for those of you who are like, you know, I could sit down and I could, I could write out something really quickly. It wouldn't be a big deal. Go ahead and start a blog, right? Start writing blog articles, learn how to do that, grow those blog articles. If you're the type of person who could just sit down, have a conversation with somebody and really leave edified, a podcast is the place for you. And it creates really rich content. What we recommend for most people who are introverted and struggle with producing good long form content is to start with an interview style show because it takes the pressure off you. It, it puts it on your guest, right? You know, Steve is asking phenomenal questions. He's obviously done this many times, but 
even if he was asking horrible questions, I've already been on enough podcasts to be able to actually share something valuable. And most guests have. So they're producing the content for you. That's one of the reasons I love podcasting. But the way you really give it wheels, the way you help it grow is by leveraging the podcast as a sales tool. For us, we don't focus on getting sponsorship. We don't focus on trying to sell things directly through our show. What we use it for is we use it to create amazing content. And then every guest that comes onto our show is a potential partner because we know, hey, they fit our ideal demographic for somebody who has a list of people who would be a great, um, who would be interested in buying my products or services. Um, and I know that, hey, they're a good person. They know how to produce good content. Bringing them on my show, it's just a delight. It's just fun to sit down with them and have a really fun conversation. But and, then, and the like you said, is, that's your yeah. entry to building a relationship with them. So exactly. you have them on your podcast, you have a great conversation, you follow up, then you have a relationship. So well, and, if yeah, you're doing yeah. that, you can't lose because right. ultimately what you're telling the audience out here, the entrepreneurs is, look, if you get a lot of followers, that's a bonus, right? Because right. first of all, the followers would be interested in your type of business because you're, what you're talking about relates to your business. Secondly, you're networking with all these people within your, your business, bringing them on your podcast, sharing valuable information, boom, uh, you win just by that. Okay, so some basic questions for people out there. What's the ideal length for a podcast and how many times a week should you do it? Love that. I'm going to reference a book, go to, it's called talk like Ted. This book is written about, they analyzed all the top Ted talks and found that 19 minutes is the ideal length for any sort of interview, any sort of solo cast, anything. So go check that out. It's a great book. If you want to learn how to present as well. Great. And how many times a week? That honestly depends on you. I wouldn't recommend doing any more than two, to be honest with you. There are very few companies that can do more than two, but if you're doing two, Imagine creating one, or even if just one of those two people every week becomes a partner, imagine the amount of A, sales that could be produced, but B, how much content you're actually producing. By the end of the year, you have 100 long form pieces of content. And if you're using the method we just talked about, you divide that into 30 pieces of content. That's 3000 pieces of content plus across the internet in one year. And it took you two hours a week. That's fantastic, Josh. It has been wonderful having you on the show. Can you let our audience know where they can find you? Yeah, you bet. So um, our company is actually called Podcast Multipliers. That's the company where we actually produce the shows. So you can just run to podcastmultipliers.com and that's how you get into our world. I am actually personally available to everybody there. So if you want to set up a time and talk podcasting, I nerd out all day. So come join us over there and happy talk to you guys. Thanks, Josh. Yeah, I appreciate it, Steve. You have a good one. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you liked it, hit the subscribe button and share it with your friends. You can help us create more great content by subscribing and sharing. Also, if you want to access our online startup program, our investor network, and our entrepreneur resources, just come to founderspace.com.